Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Producers. I am your co-host, Mark Sands, and with me, as always, is Matt Sands. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. I am doing well. How are you doing this evening, Matthew? Doing good as well. Yeah. No complaints. Very good. Well, I thought we ended last episode on a cliffhanger, and Ah. that cliffhanger was really talking about the movie Interstellar and how we said we had more we wanted to say, but we couldn't fit it into the episode. So I thought maybe tonight we can go ahead and fit that in now. Absolutely. So I recently saw this movie for the first time probably a month ago, I want to say. Oh, um, I didn't realize. Oh, that's right. It was that no, recent. Two months ago, actually. I have the date. Um, I have the date because I did a... Um, mind dump as if you will as i watched the movie and i kind of wrote down my thoughts because Uh, after discussing this movie with matthew we decided that uh you know really curious to hear my opinion on it and just kind of um i've heard very mixed reviews of this movie so i kind of wanted to just do a mind dump and see what i thought before and after and during the movie i forgot you did that that's right yes so i'm kind of gonna i'm not gonna read it but I'm going to use it as sort of a schedule so that we can kind of go through scene by scene. Because um, otherwise it's just going to be just jump around. So this will kind of give us some order and sure. uh, and poke at it. And this is a kind of a, a, a two, two-piece two episode. The Martian just recently, um, the trailer just came out. M- maybe we should uh, jump in with that. Matthew, why don't, why don't you just um, tell us what you know about The Martian. I'm going to preface this by saying I am a hardcore Matt Damon fanboy. Uh, I, I love Matt Damon. He's my favorite actor. So uh, probably some bias here. Uh, but yeah, the trailer came out. It looks really, really cool. I, I'm pretty excited about it. I marginally knew about this kind of going into it. Um, I listen to Adam Savage's Still Untitled podcast pretty regularly. And I know they did sort of a spoiler cast on the book, uh, which is by Andy Weir, same title, The Martian. Um, and I intentionally didn't listen to their podcast because I didn't want to want to spoil the movie. But uh, from what I understand, there's a, a crew, a NASA crew that goes to Mars. They are there studying it. A storm comes up. They have to abandon the mission. Matt Damon somehow gets left behind. And they presume him dead until they start receiving messages from him. Um, he's alive. He's having to survive in a hatch that he's supposed to only live for, like, there's 31 days worth of supplies at this hatch. And he has to figure it out, you know, a way to stay alive longer until a, another mission can come back and save him. From the trailer, they I mean, it looks like they give away quite a bit about the movie because it looks like the crew that leaves decides to mutiny um, and go back for him against the orders of NASA, I'm assuming. So there's a whole thing there. Uh, but I'm really excited about it. Ridley Scott's the director. Big Ridley Scott fan. Great movies under his belt in the past. Uh, Drew Goddard is the writer. Yeah, space movies specifically. Drew Goddard is the writer uh, who's who's done some great work with Joss Whedon, a little bit with J.J. Abrams as well. Um, 
creator of the Daredevil series on Netflix, which I know uh, we're both pretty big fans of. Um, Cabin in the Woods, World War Z. Um, yeah, just some great stuff under his belt. So pretty excited. To, uh, looks like they've got a good writer, good director, great actors. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. I saw this book in the stores quite a while ago, actually, and I, and I didn't know anything about the movie, and I almost bought it. And I wish it would have because uh, I'm really excited about this movie. That, yeah. I do think the trailer gives away way too much. I actually stopped watching the trailer about halfway through oh. because I, I quickly noticed that this was one of those trailers that is like a summary of the movie. So yeah. I kind of just stopped watching it. Um, so, yeah, let's just dive right into Interstellar. And uh, it, it'll make sense when we talk about The Martian and... and uh, and when we wrap up and that and so forth. Yeah, so. they tie together. Space movies, Matt Damon's in both of them. Yeah. Indeed. So, Interstellar, it opens up with an interview from the future. Uh, a bunch of elderly people. And, um, yeah, just talking about how life used to be. Uh, and then it kind of goes into this kind of uh, scene where Matthew McConaughey is, is driving chasing drones through a cornfield with his kids very interesting um setting very just a kind of a it, it really had me intrigued you know he's driving through a cornfield with drones and, and right there was really odd and it, it took me a while to think about why it was odd and you have like these surveillance drones and cornfields so it's like are cornfields and, and crops and and all that just everywhere at this point um I, you know at this point you don't know anything about the movie kind of what how far dystopian reaches the earth um you just know that there's some technology available um fuel you know it's nothing like mad max um but it's like everyone's a farmer so very just kind of a a weird spin on on the end of the world premise well it's it's interesting that it opens with this sort of like you know documentary style interview because that basically tells you that earth is saved i mean it's not that it takes away any of the suspense of the movie but it kind of it just basically tells you like here's people that have survived this they're on the other side of it now let's watch a movie about how they do that uh so kind of an interesting choice because if you leave that out then it's a question you know do they make it do they not make it um yeah so kind of an interesting choice there for the screenplay and the, and the directing of that. but uh. Definitely. I, I even wrote that down in my mind dump. I, I said, uh, I guess it's kind of like reading the end of the book before you start. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. Yeah. Here's how it happened. Uh, and I thought that too. I, I wasn't that upset about it. Um, I was just kind of like, yeah. you know, this is weird. And we don't know who the elderly people were. So we just kind of, in my back of my head, I wondered if they were the kids or, or something so right very true yeah that's that's a good point to make too because when i watched it I, I didn't really give it a second thought it was just like what is this oh it's a documentary about people that are alive okay and then it's not until the movie ends where you're like oh wait we knew the whole time that they were going to be fine it was just kind yeah. of a weird disconnect there so and it's kind of like district nine uh the movie i think ah, it's yeah. similar setup right where they kind of interview people mm-hmm. between the movie by the way, I love that movie. I, I wish uh, Neil Balkamp would do another one. I think he actually is doing some sort of alien 
movie. Uh, we can talk about that maybe some other time. Yeah. I forget. He, <laughs> he like tweeted a picture of an alien or something. Anyway. Um, so we see some family drama with the school. Uh, for whatever reason, the school system, their education at this point is just bottom of the well. Uh, based on the conversations they have with the the teachers and the principals about the moon landing and it's just kind of kind of weird that it's like they lost history and uh, there was a decline in, in education it was just kind of um, I, I feel like I would have bought more into that if the dystopian future were more barren um, I, I can kind of see that you know if everyone's a farmer no one has time to go to school. But again, we don't know what year this is. I don't think they don't give us a, a date. So we kind of are just guessing. And it's just really, it's really weird. You know, I, I think movies such as Mad Max, I'm just going to use that as an example, do, did a great job of convincing me kind of the, the setting, the, the plot and, and the intellect of everyone. Um, but this was just, it was just kind of an awkward scene. Um, that really just made me question, you know, why, why would it be that you know, there's no one on this planet who's smart, um, essentially, right? And even um, I'm trying to think of the uh, the grandfather. I guess I think he did state that when he was a kid, they had baseball games and other fun stuff. So it sounded like everything was kind of fine when he was a kid. Um, I could be wrong, but that just like this, it was really hard to kind of convince me of where we were. For me, it sort of seemed like they were setting it up to be sort of a realistic scenario of what would happen if we keep going the way we're going. Um, specifically with like climate change deniers. Um, so kind of, it posits a scenario in my mind where it's what if climate change deniers get into positions of power? To the point where we start ignoring, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say start ignoring, we continue to ignore uh, the global warming crisis and things like that. To the point where it not only affects the planet, to where now we have people that have to choose between being farmers or going into like a technological sector. It's, it's almost like a, um, kind of like a District 9, but instead of having districts, they assign individuals their jobs and things so the son like your grades weren't good enough to go to college you're a farmer now oh you can go do technology stuff you can go do this or whatever but uh mad max sort of puts you in a place where it's like oh wow we really messed up the planet to the point where there's nothing left but more realistically what will probably happen is things are going to start to deteriorate slowly to the point where it's like we have to have farmers now because there are areas of the earth that used to be able to grow this stuff that can't anymore. You're on land that can, so here's a tractor, go farm it. It's sort of, that's what it sort of seemed like to me to kind of put it into a more realistic sort of, not, not super far in the future, but close enough to us that we're like, oh, not a lot's different, but there's a crisis going on. What, what caused us to get there? If that makes any sense, I know I went kind of off on a tangent there, but no, I I, I agree. Um, I I think what's kind of another thing that's uh, interesting, um, it's just the fact that like for example he takes that drone and it's a spy drone, uh, 
and there you'd think that there'd be a ton of government officials and, and war military coming but it almost presents this as it's like a hobby you know there is no more um, military globally but yet right. there's uh, quote-unquote peace in the world like people still have their roles and responsibilities and they are driving comp self-driving combines i believe actually yeah. um in the field it's just kind of a it, it wouldn't be my first guess and i wouldn't even think to consider a future like that even right. in a, a climate change denier setting i think that's why it was just kind of really hard for me to kind of see through and just go oh, okay you know this is how the movie's gonna go but that's all i'll say about that i follow i follow so they arrive home from this baseball game, um, and is it Murphy? Is that her name? Yes, the daughter, Murphy. Yep. Yes. Played. She claims there's a ghost in the library with dust. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, when I watched this, I was, I was just like, uh, this is just really, really weird. And then thankfully... Um, Matthew McConaughey's character throws a coin on the ground and says, you know, uh, it's not a ghost, it's gravity. So, you know, I'm kind of like, is this some sort of a, a Stephen King novel? What's going on here? <laughs> um, so just still, and it, it was still vague for a very long time, and yeah. we'll talk more about that. But, um, you, know, you know, they talk about binary right here and how Murph is, is – um, kind of like trying to see this dust as um lines of binary and it's or this message just real out of the blue hidden messages um i don't know matt what do you think about this being maybe not a as as geeky of a individual as me well it's the ghost thing you know sort of creates some suspense and mystery you you kind of assume it's not ghosts but the movie's, like you said, it's sort of vague for a long time, and the movie really takes a while to get set up and going. Um, but there's a while where you're like, maybe it's like aliens doing this? Like, it's probably not a ghost in this movie, but maybe aliens? I don't know. And then they start talking about gravity, and you're like, oh yeah, probably aliens. And then <laughs> yeah. she starts talking about binary, like why it's not Morse code, but it's binary, and you're like, okay, yeah, aliens would probably speak to us in binary, because... Why would we assume that they know English, but everybody knows math? That's the universal language. So, you know, you start to kind of put that together, but it's still really vague. And, and it, it is kind of hokey. Um, I don't know. You, you're kind of trying to go along with what the movie's doing, but there's still something that's like, uh, okay, kind of, it feels like a little bit like signs, like Mel Gibson's yeah. signs. It's like, okay, uh, all right, we'll see where this is going. You've got me hooked, Nolan, so let's do something with it. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was uh, in the back of my head thinking of signs. Because, you know, corn crops, farmhouse, um, dad and his kids. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like, um, it's like a lot of little different movie ideas brought together to form something that's just really kind of strange. Um, so then... Uh, for whatever reason, Murph decides he's going to – or not Murph, sorry. Um, Matthew McConaughey's character, Cooper. Um, yeah. Cooper decides he's going to drive his truck to Area 51. Um, <laughs> I don't actually know if it was Area 51, but it was um, some NASA headquarters 
and uh, Murph is hiding out in the back of his truck. And all of a sudden, there's these military operatives or, or some people in charge that are kind of guarding the fence, and they take him inside. Just um, kind of really weird. Um, and then it's like, oh, actually, um, it's kind of it's exactly what I said, right? It's just NASA, and they have some ideas on how to kind of save the planet. And uh, it's just like, I had a lot of questions here. Like, like, why are they being so secretive about it? Is this really like the last remaining smart camp of individuals? Um, you know, what's the governing body look like? It was just so hard for me to kind of just buy into this. I guess that I just needed to see a lot of support for kind of what where we were. It just was really unclear. I guess so this just didn't help matters and all it did was introduce um some big actor names like uh, michael kane and ann hathaway <laughs> so I was just yeah. like, this is just uh so weird to me so far so at this point when i was watching it i was still just really skeptical i, I kind of was still with it at this point um again kind of going back to the school scene it just made me th- made me think like somebody somewhere in government realized like oh man we made a huge mistake climate change was real we ignored it we should have done something but now we've gotten to the point where we've you know convinced everyone that the moon landing was fake but the only people that can probably save us are these nasa people but if we tell people that we're having them come up with ways to get us out of this they're not going to believe that they can do it and that it's a waste of money because we've convinced everyone that these people faked things in the past. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I was with it. It was still a little bit like, you know, they're stretching and I'm sort of like, all right, I'm, I'm putting away my, my biases and I'm going into it with a movie mind, you know, one of those kind of things. Yeah. And, and I was with it too. I was just, I think the the plot and the setting just for me were really distracting, I think, from what what this movie was about. And I just didn't yeah. really understand a lot. Um, I mean, at this point in the movie, you know, it had taken a while to even get there, get here. Um, Tons of time. And they kind of like, yeah. And they kind of fill you in a little bit on like what's going on. Um, you know, they, they sit in and talk about saving the world. Uh, they show a space shuttle with sparks flying and uh, give it some kind of special effects or whatever. Um, you know, they ask Matthew McConaughey's character asks, uh, uh, you know, I thought you got shut down and, and no, uh, they're not shut down. And, and what actually is, uh, is happening. And Michael Caine explains is uh, they're not meant to save the world. They're meant to leave it. So that is, I guess the premise of this movie. At this point you find out that, okay, this movie is about trying to leave Earth and, and find a, a settlement and a habitat somewhere where there's not global warming uh, and what have you. So he yeah, explains that they find a, a wormhole. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's okay. I was just going to say, the movie takes about 45 minutes to set up a relationship with Matthew McConaughey and his daughter while ignoring the fact that he has a son other than to have the scene at the school, um, which is like, oh, yeah, he does have a son. You know, it's sort of setting up this big drama that, that Matthew McConaughey is going to leave to save Earth. He's going to go find an inhabitable planet for us. 
and he's going to leave his daughter behind. Oh, yeah, and he has a son, too. But seriously, like, 45 minutes to get to that point, it was like, uh, you either needed to spend more time on the script and come up with a quicker way to hook us in to the fact that you're close with your daughter and that you have to go do this. Like, what took 45 minutes should have taken about 20. Um, yep. It just it took forever to get going. Yeah, and even given uh, Cooper's background as a, a pilot, uh, I, I guess in the former military, I, I don't think they stated exactly where he was a pilot. Yeah, it was either NASA but th- or military something. Yeah, so you'd think he would have already been with these people. <laughs> yes. and, and, like, why not open the movie in this scene, really? Yeah, because like, Matthew hey, McConaughey's not old. in the Like, they don't set him up to be. He yeah. doesn't look significantly older than Anne Hathaway. But they sort mm-hmm. of make it seem like he's this grizzled old pilot, test pilot, you know, that hasn't been around for 20, 30 years. And it's like, exactly. Uh, he probably would have been gone like 10 at this point. Like, this, this isn't. Yeah. It just wasn't doing a good job of setting stuff up. But they could have just opened in this in this scene, and he would have had to say, okay, I'll be right back. I have to pick my kids up from school. Introduce that scene with the principal so you kind of understand where we're at. He goes back because he's upset. We got to leave immediately. And just continue going from there, and then you you shaved off fifty minutes of the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, but whatever. Um, so they get a little hardcore into the science, talking about wormholes they found, and um, there was this Lazarus mission that they sent uh, to find a new world that appeared sustainable, and it they don't know if it was successful or not. Um, is that right, Matt? And they like want to try and go find this this planet and find the inhabitants, uh, and kind of just see if that's if that's going to work out. Yeah, they sent they sent an individual scientist to like four or five different possible planets, and they've been receiving data back from the scientists who basically said, "Yes, come here," or "No, don't come here," and they all but one sent back, "Don't come here," and one scientist. No, I think there were two. I think there were two, like, yeah, come here. So they had to. Dis- so Matthew McConaughey's mission was to go to these two planets and find which one was, you know, better than the other, basically. Um, like you said, it gets very technical, very scientific, very theoretical, like, physics stuff introduced regarding time travel, um, black holes and how time is affected by the pull of a black hole and gravity's effects on time super super sciencey um and kudos to them for for going that deep with it a lot of movies like this you feel like wow they didn't consult a single scientist they looked at a wikipedia page and came up with something but this one was kind of the opposite like oh man like scientists wrote this part of the script um super super technical they also introduce a, um, I don't know what you call it, a robot, I guess, um, that's really interesting. I, I like what you called it. You said it looked like a futuristic stainless steel microwave, <laughs> which was really funny, but pretty accurate for what it looked like. Um, the logistics of the motions that it had seemed like, that doesn't seem like a good engineering plan mm-hmm. for a robot but like stuff that it did were kind of cool but uh so basically at this point what happens they they've convinced Matthew McConaughey to go on this mission 
So he goes back and has to say goodbye to Murph, who does not want him to go. Right? She's convinced that the message from the ghost aliens, whatever they are at this point, are saying stay. Um, and Matthew McConaughey is, you know, no, I can't stay. I'll be back. Um, but when he leaves, she's, go, you know, and by the time he gets back, if they make it back, she's going to be significantly older and he won't have aged as much. Sort of kind of what they've set up with all the science talk. Um, yeah. We could fast forward a little bit through because basically at this point you have some cool space sequences. You know, you got the takeoff, you've got the this docking sequence that's very reminiscent of um, the docking sequence in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, and I will mention here too, though, the space scenes in this movie are really, really well done and they look incredible. Um, the spaceship specifically, Nolan had uh, his prop crew build, you know, kind of to scale models of the insides of these spaceships. And outside, instead of having green screens like normal, he actually projected images of of what you see out the window. So, like, what you see outside of the window of a spaceship is what the actor saw as well. He wanted it to be sort of a realistic, practical environment for them to interact with, which is really cool. It's not something that is normally done. Usually a green screen gets thrown up, and they do stuff later. But he sort of took the time to, to get that stuff done first and then have the actors interact with it, which I, I did appreciate. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, good good thing. It's definitely uh, a scene eye to eye with you there. Um, they're in the spaceship. One observation I I thought that was bizarre was they have like motion sickness pills, and uh, you know it's like so there's pharmacists I guess still in the future and prescription medicine just kind of again some of these questions that I that I have. Um, so so they 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 dock and uh through this this wormhole and he wants to go to this moon right um uh, cooper does and he thinks that this is you know something they should try out but but if they go there it's going to be years because of the time dilation of the the wormhole's orbit and and so forth so they're like okay go go here but make it quick um and they do they go they land and it turns out to be a water planet that has like crazy massive waves they get kind of not shipwrecked but delayed by a few, I think just two hours I think they were on that planet yeah and like they that. they finally make it back they lost one of their crew member um, and they make it back and it was 23 year uh, gap between when they when they departed and when they came back um, so that kind of gives you the impression of here's what the time dilation effect has on someone and Cooper has to catch up on on all the videos that his kids have sent him and see them grow older and grow up and it kind of trying to drive this emotional drama to it and and yeah. uh and it, it works you know I'm, I'm kind of with it I'm like as a space geek I'm just kind of like oh yeah wow this is this is real this is awesome yeah. <laughs> um this is pretty cool now let's see what happens next so they finally get to the uh, the planet that they're trying to go to and that that's where they actually do find the uh, the old uh, uh, Lazarus Project people, but um, so Matt or Matt Damon is is now the uh, the one that is um, in this cryogenic chamber in the laboratory, space laboratory or whatever. And I guess he's been there for ten years. Is that right? 
um, Earth time. And he's still there asleep and they wake him up. And this is where it gets, for me, really weird. Um, yes. There's this battle. Uh, Matt Damon wants to be the hero. Go back and say he found things. Um, there's a fight. They try to. He tries to blow up, um, or he does blow up. I think the. Uh, yeah. The the spaceport. Um, it's, it's just kind of like. The whole ahead. Matt Damon thing seemed like. They could have solved everything with a five minute conversation with him. Like, all the stuff that he claimed, like, I want to go back and tell them this, and I can't, you know, look like I was weak, and I can't, you know, like, it was like, at this point, you've all still got plenty of fuel and whatever to go check out that other planet still, and get back all together, but instead Matt Damon goes super rogue, and is like, no, I'm just gonna go home, and wastes all this energy and fuel and whatever, and, and the whole time I was just like, none of that made sense to me like i didn't get his motivation for for wanting to leave them all behind i didn't get his motivation for lying to them it just didn't mm-hmm. do a good job of establishing like anything that he did there made sense like, he tried to kill matthew mcconaughey it was all and it all happened really quickly so you're just sort of like whoa, whoa, whoa what is happening why is this going on and like matthew mcconaughey and Anne hathaway are in pursuit of matt damon's ship and they're like dude just come back like it's cool and he's like no 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 it's not so it's like did he just lose his mind on this planet is that what we're supposed to gather or like again it just felt like super thin plot points at this point yeah it was just like i guess you just needed a. it was like he needed a reason to get mcconaughey to sort of sacrifice himself in the following scene yeah. And it was like that's the best they came up with. And again, the whole t- the whole time I watched the movie, and after the movie was over, it was just like I kept feeling like they just rushed the screenplay. It was yes, like they sort of had an absolutely. idea for it, wrote a first draft, and were like, "This is good enough. We'll figure it all out later." And never went back and did a polish up on it, and they just put it out like it was. Yeah, and it was like, man, you just needed some tightening up in some spots, and it could have been so much better. But what do I know? I'm not a screenwriter. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, so I'm thinking back to Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman series. And the opening sequences of at least the last two films in the trilogy uh, were like shock and awe. Yeah. Um, you know, the second one, it was like the IMAX film and the, the uh, zip line into the bank and, yes. and that. And then the third one, there was the, the plane scene with Bane. Um, and that was like such an amazing setup for the villain. And it's almost like, you know, why didn't he open up the movie with the Lazarus Project and showing Matt Damon be all crazy or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, w- like, that, like, is a Nolan move. And this this movie is just, there wasn't there. We don't know anything about Matt Damon. I, you know, at the end of this, I said his character could have been replaced with TARS, the robot, just going AWOL. Because um, <laughs> yes. he clearly didn't look like he had good technology to begin with. That's so So why couldn't true. he have just malfunctioned, autopiloted the, the, the ship and wrecked into the the docker so that they're screwed and they have to like figure out how to get home. It, yeah. it was just really bizarre. And I was like, why do you, why is Matt Damon in this movie? I don't understand. Yeah. I felt um, the same way with Casey Affleck's character, uh, Matt, Matthew McConaughey's son. Uh, yeah. You don't get the setup that he has a relationship at all with his son when he's a teenager. And then most of the video transmissions are coming from 
his son as an older person portrayed by Casey Affleck because Murph doesn't want to talk to him because he abandoned them. She told him to stay. He didn't. It seems super petty to hold that grudge for however long it was, um, especially when she gets older and she should have understood more why he left. So that was kind of like you get that they're setting up the emotion there, but it still didn't quite connect for me. And then Casey Affleck, who is a fantastic actor, extremely underused in this movie because you don't get you don't feel like there's a real connection between father and son by the time Casey Affleck comes in and then later on in the movie things happen with his character that just don't make sense either it's all right. very just there's no no there's no good setup for things that follow it's all just sort of thinly done and they try to come up with these big dramatic moments and you're just sort of like it's almost like they let the air out of a balloon where it's like, oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I, it sounds like I really don't like this movie. I, I did. I enjoyed it. I, I won't buy it. I won't watch it again. Um, but I did enjoy myself. So I, I don't want anyone listening to this to just think that I'm a hater because I'm not a hater. But your I haters are your motivators. <laughs> um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm a hater of the movie. It was just... A massive disappointment because I really was excited to see this and when I left it was just like oh man yeah and it was sure. and it's you know I love the the Dark Knight series um, Memento's great you know so it's like Christopher Nolan like I guess they just let you do whatever at this point because you've made Hollywood hundreds of millions of dollars but man I, I don't know. It just it was a big disappointment yeah. for me. Um, so this next sequence uh, of events is is really just the thing that really made me kind of just not like this um, movie. <laughs> Feel like I didn't like it at the time. Um, so they Cooper decides he's going to give Brand um, the ship to go home, and he'll just eject and float around in space because only one person can make it through the dock. So you're like, oh, tearful moment. He's going to not see his kids, but Brand can make it back to see. Um, her dad and and it's just kind of like set up for just kind of a weird goodbye and it was like at this point just so rushed kind of like you said mm-hmm. um but then he he floats into this like four-dimensional cube um <laughs> yeah. he's, and, in a, uh, he's in a fifth dimensional space it goes in point. yeah and he goes into a uh, it goes to a flashback with murph and she says it was you you are my ghost um and it's like okay so somehow in this 5d cube uh cooper was communicating with his daughter but they say like he was being held here from some higher being um a coworker of mine actually pointed this out to me you know this movie transitioned from a sci-fi film to a fantasy film because they required a god object to interact with cooper to be able to kind of make him not die and kind of manipulate time and space through just um non-sciencey means really um because this is just a really weird scene (laughs) and i was honestly it it reminded me of some like 70s or 80s quirky um movie um to be honest just because of the, the shot and the effects and just like the idea of it it was just really bizarre um, I don't know why he wouldn't have just floated into like another wormhole that teleported him at home or something um, that would be way more believable. I, I don't know what I would have done differently, but 
just super weird. Matt, it, what do you think about this? It was weird, but this is maybe where I get crazy because he goes into the wormhole and you think, oh, he's sacrificed. Like you said, he sacrificed himself. He's going to die. And then he shows up in this five di- fifth dimensional space and sort of explaining it as like most likely what has happened. Humans have evolved beyond a need for like what we know as a body and a brain and like have created this space and that's that's who it is so Nolan's basically saying it's not there is no god it's just people that have evolved to be what we think of as god and and deities basically but he's in the space he has the flashback you it all connects basically the slow sludgy setups kind of all come into focus at this point in that oh he was the one telling Murph to stay he was the one using binary she got it and then they have this moment sort of through this bookcase through dimensions through time through space where like you said she says it was you you were my ghost and she's looking at the bookcase he's looking at her he's giving her the the equation that she needs in morse code on this watch and she has sort of a tearful moment he has a tearful moment and at that point i was like oh great they wrapped everything up they connected she understands why he left she understands the message now but she understands that he has discovered more in the meantime and that it's up to her to save the planet and he has trusted her with it he came back for her in this way so i was like okay we're getting the resolution with the father-daughter relationship and she's gonna save the planet Okay, I, I was like, I was with it. The score is building up. Everything is super suspenseful and, and heightened. And the dramatic um, clips hit their climax. We have resolution. And then the screen is, like sucks to black. And Matthew McConaughey's character says, And now what? And I was like screaming inside. Yeah. Go to the credits! Go to the credits! Like, I will forgive all of the crap that came before this if you go to the credits right now because that scene was incredible. And then he blows it and continues the movie for another half an hour that tells us everything that he just told us in those five minutes in that scene. And I was just like, Hmm. no, what are you doing? (laughs) You see, I actually actually like the last part of the movie. Um, so he after this he floats it shows him floating by Saturn and then all of a sudden you see him in a bed and he wakes up and they're like oh sir you're in Cooper Station um, and it's just like a, a really weird super quick transition from what we saw to oh he's in a hospital bed now um, and they didn't spend a lot of time really explaining that but they they kind of go over how Murph solved this formula and yeah. she was able to like save the planet and they've made space stations that people can live in and it shows a, a picture or not a picture sorry it shows a, a baseball game being played that was like vertically sloped super weird um yeah and and murph comes in there and she's old and she's talking to cooper and he's like i was your ghost and i gonna be vulnerable here but i started crying and <laughs> i was like oh super touching movie um so i actually liked how it ended um it super weird to me. get there Super weird to get there, but but you know what? It it totally it lost me with all of that because it was like you had the the big problem with the movie is pacing. 
It didn't have good pacing. It was like slow setups, slow setups. Oh, huge dramatic moment and a big letdown with more slow pacing like afterwards, slow setups. And and for me it was like all of that came together in that scene with him in the uh in the whatever in the time space continuum or whatever it was. Yeah. And so and then so like you said, after that it shows how Murph solved this problem, but we already know because we saw him give her the equation through the watch. And then we have them meet in this hospital room where she's an old woman, he's the same age, which is a great setup for his line in Days Confused, <laughs> which is like, uh, I love high school girls. I get older, but they stay the same age. It's sort of reversed here, but anyway. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this thought. Oh, so they're at the hospital bed, and she says, oh, it was you. Yeah, you just said that like 10 minutes ago at the bookcase. <laughs> and then and then she's he's like, you know, her family comes in. He's like, do you want me to leave? Yeah. You haven't seen him for like 90 years, and you get the moment to be with him, and you're like, yeah, I'd like you to leave now. It was like, what is going on? And then he they he steals a pod and goes to meet Anne Hathaway on the planet that she's trying to colonize with these, you know, human embryos or whatever. And it's just like, what? All right. Yeah, I guess she that needs was really company. <laughs> you know, it's love conquers all. Love is bigger than time and space. And it's like, all right. You, yeah. you lost me. The last half an hour should have just been trimmed out. And I would have mm-hmm. been, I would have been like, it's not a great movie. It's flawed, but man, was it ambitious and man, did it have some cool moments. That's where I would have been with it. And instead it was like super ambitious movie and he blew it almost all the way through. Yeah. I I do just think to sum it up that this just was a rush screenplay and it would have been better if they left out a lot. So yeah, I that's agree. all we'll say. I agree. And I, and I will just say really excited for the Martian. Matt Damon makes his return to space in a in a chamber by himself so maybe this is uh how the lazarus mission uh went maybe this is the uh the spinoff that we'll see where he was <laughs> yes, kind of by himself yeah. um, um super excited about about that so i'm gonna really, put you on the, really amped i'm gonna put you on the spot if you were to rate interstellar out of four stars what would you give it out of four yeah honestly i think i'd give it a two i was gonna say i was thinking one and a half two stars i i really feel like i bashed it there are some great moments it is really ambitious. It's interesting to see a director like Nolan take on a movie like this and see where he goes with it. So, you know, it's one of those I'd say it's worth watching one time. I wouldn't say it's worth buying, anything like that. But if you're marginally interested in space stuff, interested in Nolan movies, rent it. See what you think. Definitely. And let's hope that uh, Martian and Interstellar are apples to oranges. Yes. And that they're that we won't uh, be upset with it. I mean, I have more hopes for this movie than I do for Interstellar. So, agreed. Well, with that, we thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next time on the Producers. <laughs>